Hello and welcome to this episode of Food Focus, a podcast where we seek to discuss, challenge, and learn about topical issues related to food. I'm your host, Mike Von Masso, a faculty member in food, agricultural, and resource economics at the University of Guelph, and someone who's just curious about issues related to food and have invited you along on on my uh, exploration of all sorts of issues related to food. Before we get into today's episode, I thought I would just do a bit of shameless self-promotion and and remind you about our website, foodfocusguelph.ca. It's where you can find past episodes of this podcast. It's where you can find our blog, which we update at least weekly on issues that we think are topical and current related to food. And it also contains our annual food trends report, both for 2019 and our last one for 2018. In it, we cover in each year six things that we think will be prominent in the food discussion for that year, and we think it contributes to a better understanding of issues related to food, and we hope it sparks some broader conversation. We'd love to get feedback. You can email us at foodfocus at uoguelph.ca. Give us suggestions for future podcasts, things that you'd like us to address in either the blog or the podcast, or trends that you think should have been or should be in the future part of our trends report. We'd love to interact with you, and we'll get back to you if you contact us. So, without further ado, I think I'll get to our guest today, who really requires almost no introduction. When we think about Canadian food, we think about Anita Stewart. She's a longtime activist, culinary author, and founder of Food Day Canada. In this episode, we have a conversation with Anita about the possibilities, opportunities that she sees in Canadian food. It really is sometimes difficult in my mind to define what Canadian food or Canadian culinary traditions are, and Anita does a good job contextualizing a little bit what Canadian food means. And we have a really fun discussion talking about things we like things we think about and things we think are important for Canadian food. So without any further discussion from me, here is my conversation with Anita. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Welcome, Anita, and thank you for taking the time to chat with me. Absolute pleasure. So, Anita, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about food, which is what I talk about, and you are sort of a real advocate for Canadian food with Food Day Canada and a lot of the things that you do with the university. Why is that important? My view is that if we don't start supporting our own, we we won't have them in the future. Uh, And shopping locally, regionally, and nationally is what I've always really espoused. So so just recognizing and supporting Mm -hmm. Canadian food production. Yep. Celebrating it, celebrating. Really, celebrating it, and you know, I always think it's it's a, my mother's old expression. Probably you know, you get more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Yeah. I'm not opposed to anything in particular. I'm really neutral on a lot of issues. I just think the more we um, again cook and eat and share Canadian ingredients with our Canadian skill sets, the better. So, what is Canadian food? Well. I've been taken to task by people you probably know by saying it's possibilities, because I believe that that's what it is. I mean, we're such a young country in so many ways. Yes, before before non-natives arrived, uh, there was already a 10,000-year-old uh, food tradition in various parts of the country, and then, then non-natives came and settled and brought their own food voices with them, their own ingredients as well, 
and uh, you know because food is on the move, like the people who who eat it, and that's what Canadian food really speaks of. I always say, well, if you were in Italy, what is Italian food? Is it corn polenta? Because that's not really Italian; that's South American. Yeah. Uh, is it tomato pasta, tomato sauce on pasta? Well, that's also South American. How about hot peppers? No, that's really you know from somewhere else as well. And yet when we are talking about Canadians, somehow it seems that people feel it's wrong not to say we, uh, we have a cuisine from all around the world. If you take the, a province the size of Ontario, how many Italys would fit into it? And so if you can't define Italian food, really, in, in truly, unless you go back a couple of thousand years, and maybe that's not Italian food now, how can you possibly define even the foodways of the province of Ontario? Yeah, and, and to me, one of the joys of food, mm-hmm. and I guess then of Canadian food, is the variety. Yes, is absolutely. The, is the choice that it's we have. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And, you know, in, you know, I grew up eating so basically the food of my grandparents, uh, which were, they were Irish immigrants, well, they weren't, but their ancestors were Irish immigrants during the famine of uh, the 1800s. And so I understood what that food was all about. Very plain, very basic, very seasonal, and we preserved a lot. Uh, But then when, uh, as I started to travel more and met more people from different countries, I realized that they also brought sort of peasant food to Canada. And it's fabulous. It's just fabulous. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting because I'm the child of immigrants. I'm a first generation Mm -hmm. Canadian. And, you know, when I look at our traditions, some of them were driven by opportunity, what they found in Canada. Mm-hmm. Some of it was driven by the fact that they didn't have lots of money when they came to Canada oh, and, they, and they developed they developed some some habits. We were talking before we were recording, you know, what are some of my parents' favorite things? And I think just how simple some of the things are, just that, that they were opportunity. But That's I look so at the at at the palette that my children have and it's yes. you know again to say what is Canadian food. Even we're sitting here in Aurora, and yep. and the choices we have here in a town of less than five thousand people. Yep. You know, there's a it just unfortunately recently closed, but the Indian food was some of the best spicy curries I've ever had. And, mm-hmm. You know, the bakeries and just the choice and the variety. And does that cause us some some problems in saying? This is what definitively Canadian is, or is that an issue, or is no? It... To me, it's not an issue. I'd, I'd I'd like to go back to because the the food ways that you're describing are not necessarily well. Those are really restaurants, and from my perspective, when I started this journey of mine, uh, I couldn't find what I would consider Canadian cuisine or even all that regional cuisine in in restaurants across the country. They we were defining Canadian or we were defining uh, a fabulous restaurant experience by how far away the ingredients came from, and so. You know, that's been a 180 degree change now, because if you're opening a restaurant, you have to shop locally. If you don't, you know, like you're not even close to the cutting edge. But when I started my my journey, it was in the home kitchens that I was finding all these really cool things. And I I believe that that's still the case because of the size of Canada. The um the distance between our various little diaspora is still very great, whether it's Ukrainian or 
or Icelandic or Finnish or, you know, or Germanic or Latvian or it's that we are still cooking in our own home kitchens the food of our fatherland, motherland. Mm -hmm. And that's really what's so fascinating because no matter where you go across the country, if you dive deep, you can find this. I mean, have you ever heard of a fat Archie? I mean, it's it's this wonderful spice cookie that's from Cape Breton. Yeah. But it's similar, sort of, to the Mennonite whoopie pie, yeah. which is, uh, you know, a very puffy, soft cookie that they smush together with icing. Well, fat archies, you don't. You just butter it fresh out of the oven. As the house is perfumed with all these wonderful spices from the Caribbean, you dip it in your tea. Yeah. The, the experiences you have, I'm, I'm envious of the... Oh, of, I know. Of the, you know, and... And I think of, of some of the experiences I've had, and not as, as broad mm-hmm. of, as yours, but mm-hmm. you know, having eaten when I worked at a Mennonite table and, yes. and yes. with friends of my parents yes. growing up from all over the world. Yes. And what I think is interesting, too, is, is as you said, we have these sort of pockets yes. of tradition. Truly. But as we sort of meld, we, we probably have... In home kitchens everywhere, these new traditions and these new yes. range is. I mean, sometimes people are cooking traditional foods when it's not traditional to them, mm-hmm. and also sometimes we're making these hybrids. Well, I do. Of, I mean, of, and of, I, of yes, things absolutely. And, and, and taking advantage of the range of both people, cultures, and ingredients that we have in this country. Truly, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's interesting because I mean, I'll sit down to supper sometime. And uh, and find, oh, I'll look at what I'm eating or what I'm serving to other people and realize every dish comes from somewhere else on earth. Yeah. And that's what's so exciting about it, too, because now the evolution has been such that the leading chefs across the country, and now more the not leading chefs, but just chefs who really want to do a good job, are going out and doing more research. And, and the first person that I ever saw serve a whoopie pie mm-hmm. outside of the, the Mennonite community around here was Jamie Kennedy and his restaurant in Toronto. And this was probably you know, 15 years ago when he, yeah. had, he had Gilead. And, you know, so that's what happens. And they, it's really interesting to watch. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to me, too, that we are learning about some of the things that we grow and produce here in this country that many of us are blissfully unaware of. Oh, yes. I mean, we, we know about the we know about yes. the big things. We yeah. know, you know, yeah. we know Canada produces the best bread wheat in the world, and we know Canada yeah. produces the best beef in the world. But but there are so many other things that yes. we're blissfully unaware of, and then we we decide we need something, as you say, that's been on a boat or a plane for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And and also, too, the, the other piece of the question about sort of the observations that I've had over the years is that the farmers who are growing particular crops, if you would, they view them as commodities rather than ingredients. So from, from the agricultural standpoint, I consider still a very serious problem. If I can sort of digress, I guess probably 20 years ago, most culinary journalists were being wooed by the Olive Oil Council, the Global Olive yes. Oil Council. And they would take us on trips. I didn't go on any of them because it sort of made me cross. I'm, I can't yeah. say pissed off, but, yeah. <laughs> but I guess I will. Yes, you can. Uh, feel free. <laughs> um, you know, because we produce some of the highest quality oils, canola oil, and on the planet. And it's being shipped everywhere, although right now there seems to be an issue with China. Mm-hmm. But so I talked to 
uh, gal by the name of Dorothy Long, who uh, was a home economist, is still a home economist in Saskatchewan, and is, you know, very involved with the Canola Co- uh, Council of Canada and very involved with canola industry. And I said, Dorothy, why don't we start promoting, I guess it actually probably was in the 90s, why don't we start promoting canola like the Olive Oil Council was doing with olive oil? So she started something that she called Canola Camps. And she invited Canadian journalists to Saskatchewan to experience Saskatchewan in the summertime. Let me tell you, that's as exotic as any place else on earth. I love it. Oh, it's, and, a, it's, it's amazing. I'm a prairie boy, so you, you don't have to convince me. I oh, much, it's fantastic. Now that I've been in Ontario for a long time, I much prefer going in the summer. But <laughs> Well, yes, I agree. Oh, yes, the, but it has been pretty wild this winter. Yeah. But so Canola Camp has introduced a lot of Canadian journalists, and then she expanded into America as well, so U.S. journalists, about the merits of canola. Now they're doing it for really culinary camps. They are actually doing more than just canola. They're doing, you know, all of the pulse crops and so yes. on and so forth, which is also really great. Which but are definitively Canadian ingredients. I know, I know. And how many people understand that? And yeah. now, particularly with this new Canada Food Guide, one of the real issues I have is that they're not naming local ingredients or Canadian ingredients on it. They need to be doing that. Mm-hmm. It's wrong not to. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow your tangent here if you'll okay. allow me. Sure. Because you, you said something that that I've been sort of beating a drum on for a long time is that we need to start thinking differently about the, the products we're producing and and stop thinking in such a commodity yes. mindset and and think more. I have this ceramic bottle in my office yes. that says terroir on the yes. front. And it was mm-hmm. uh, a bottle of olive oil <laughs> from a very specific orchard uh, on a winery on Crete near Hania. And because it was only corked, yes. I had to pour it out when I took it on the plane. Oh. <laughs> it was oh. it was amazing. But, but I have the bottle and, and I thought, you know, some products are doing it and some countries are doing it sort of this really sort of locally identified or branded to use the marketing technology. And we haven't done that quite as well. Zeta Cobb is doing it with Fogel Island Cod. You know, I think Elmira Produce Auction is doing it to a degree where they're selling, you know, this is Mennonite, it's local and, and, and you can get it. But we haven't done it. And Frankly, I don't even know if you could say this is bigger Saskatchewan canola oil and notice the difference or those sorts of things. I don't, I don't know, but it's not something that's really evolved here in Canada. No, I know that's really true. Identify, identity preservation of particular yeah. ingredients hasn't. Uh, unless you're at a, a farmer's market or a smaller producer where you can actually talk to the actual producer themselves. But generally speaking, you're right. So when I'm writing or when I'm recommending ingredients to certain people, I will say Saskatchewan canola, Saskatchewan mustard as opposed, or in, in, in fact, you probably still can get specific. No, I don't think you can get mustards from particular areas, but you can certainly with a cold press canola, cold press soy. I mean, Jason Purcell from uh, Pristine Gourmet, and certainly Tony Marshall, uh, there are some uh, balsamic vinegars that you can get. Uh, not, I think actually maybe only two. One's in Nova Scotia, which is an apple balsamic, and that's very specific to a company called Boats. And then the other one, of course, is on Vancouver Island, which is true balsamic, made by an Italian 
who grows the grapes, ferments them, and has made balsamic for about twenty-five years. And now. see, and I wouldn't have even known that we that we produce Ontario that we produce Canadian. Do you want me balsamic. to show you a bottle? I when we're done, I okay. would love to see it. I, I, <laughs> you I, want because to taste I make it? I make one of my culinary traditions, which I yes. made. There, there used to be a restaurant in Guelph called Georgian Creeds. Yes, and they yes. had a balsamic vinaigrette. Yes, and Cheryl, my wife, and I used to go all the time when they were around and made friends with. George and Jeanette. Who, yes. And I tried to imitate. Mm-hmm. And so I've got a balsamic, as Cheryl uses on salmon and trout Good now. for you. And I don't know, I have, I have a lot of ingredients in there, mostly because I don't know if I take some out. I probably yeah. don't need them all. If I take yeah. some out, if it'll yeah. taste the same. So I'd love to find a Canadian a balsamic. Is it? And again, part of that is telling our story. Telling our story, sharing our story, and actually being proud of it. So... Tell me, then, I'm going to ask you a personal question. What are some of your favorite Canadian ingredients? What are some things that you think, this is what I oh love my. personally to cook with? Well, uh, I and, mean... And that says Canada. I'll think, I'll think of what, I, you know, what I'm cooking recently. Yeah. I mean, other than my, my line-caught salmon, yes. which I, I bring home from the West Coast, which is a bargain as far as I'm concerned because yeah. it's so good. I you know the tomato sauces. The tomatoes from here are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the corn from here is fantastic. I'll uh, smoke it in the summertime and and put it in the freezer for soups in the wintertime. Our squashes are amazing, and particularly in Ontario. And maple syrup. My yeah. gosh, we're almost at maple syrup season. There's nothing like a big spoonful of maple syrup that's just been cooked yeah. and you know over top of great ice cream, Mapleton dairy ice cream. It's yeah. fantastic. We do we do great pasta. We do. You know, and again, we talked about With mustard Canadian earlier. Durham. Yeah, and Canadian Durham wheat. Well, you know, it was interesting because I was in France a number of years ago, and there was a pastor producer at the same conference that I was at, and he said, I only use Canadian Durham yeah. because it's so good. You know, the mustards from Saskatchewan that are fantastic. I mean, the, basically, you buy mustard anywhere, and it's Canadian. Yeah. You know, it doesn't even have to have yeah, a Canadian true. flag on it. We produce great flour, and it's standardized to a point where no matter whether it's a small mill or a large company like Robin Hood, it's generally speaking all of Canadian. It's all Canadian, and it's really high quality. So I'm going to shift gears here a little bit. I have to tell you about butter and cheese and eggs. Oh, (laughs) And and our cheese industry has just exploded in the last 20 years. You know, so how good, how cool is that? It's because, again, Canadians are saying we want something different. Yes. And we want something delicious. And chefs have led the way in a lot of, in a lot of respects in that one, too. And, of course, then our, our eggs are fabulous, and any kind of dairy products. Yeah, we do a good job here in Canada. We do a we, really and we, good job. And we almost don't give ourselves enough no, credit. No, and, we don't. And, and really think about it. So, to me, Canadian cuisine is about Canadian ingredients. Mm-hmm. I, I love the word you used was possibilities because mm-hmm. because there's such a range of ways to apply it. And one of the beauties, in my view, of Canada is the diversity in Canada. Yes, absolutely. And, and that you can eat them in so many different ways yes. with so many different flavor palettes. That's awesome. But before we finish, I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about Food Day Canada because that's that's your baby. That's, that's my baby. That's, that, and, that's, and, it's everybody's baby. Really. And, and, and I think it's really... It's really an expression of what we've talked about up till Absolutely. now. So tell me a little bit about the genesis of Food Day Canada and a little bit about the vision going forward. Oh, in 2003, the beef crisis hit yes. and uh, borders were closed. And so at that time, I still do have a lot of friends and colleagues across the country, but at that time I had a very large array. And I called them and I emailed them because mm-hmm. there wasn't an internet and there wasn't Facebook and there wasn't Twitter. And yeah. I said, 
Go to your barbecues on Saturday of the August long weekend, barbecue Canadian beef, and tell me your stories. It went viral. It literally went around the world. And then, so every year thereafter, I did that. And I think we, well, I'm one of the people from Canada Beef said you saved the industry. I don't believe that, but I think it certainly helped mm -hmm. because it was raising awareness that was really important. And what to me, one of the things, and this is a bit of an aside, to me, one of the things is what happened then was an expression of the confidence Canadians had yes. in, in yes. their production. They said, Absolutely. people are telling us this is okay, we are going to eat it, yeah. and we're yeah. going to pull together. And, yeah. and, 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 I think, and I think Food Day was a catalyst. It was, that. it was. I mean, I was reading a, a book by John Melson Salt, and I was trying to figure out what the duty of a citizen was, and he yeah. said, really, basically, to paraphrase it, it's to not mind your own business. So that's what I did. And so every year thereafter, I challenged Canadians to go to their grills and barbecue Canadian food, not just beef, but yeah. so they already can barbecue tofu, I've heard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's probably not pretty, my taste, but... but well, it's but, probably okay, actually. Yeah. I, I actually really like tofu in certain preparations. But anyway, yeah. and it became very clear by about 2009 that that was the day Canadians were celebrating their own food traditions. Whether you were having a barbecue, whether you were paddling up north, whether you were uh, having a wedding, whether it was a family reunion, that long weekend, and it's not a long weekend everywhere, but by and large it is, was the, the weekend where Canadians were getting together, going to the farmer's market or buying something from down the road, at, because number one is cheaper, number one is better, it tastes more delicious, and there was always ingredients from Canada in that celebration. And so I thought, hmm, it is Canada's food day. Mm -hmm. You know, as opposed to July 1st, which is Dominion Day or, mm -hmm. or Canada Day, or the, the Saturday of the weekend where everybody's getting ready to go to school, that was the day that we were celebrating. So I said, okay. So I bought the URL, foodday.ca, fooddaycanada.ca, and built a website and um, invited chefs to be the brand advocates. Because as the evolution of Canadian cuisine has taken place, it's been the chefs who've been on that leading edge of challenging producers to produce something special and then spreading the word. So it's it's just sort of disseminated. Their, their understanding of Canadian cuisine 16 years, well, 16, really 10 years ago, has disseminated around the country, and we're getting more interesting ingredients. No matter whether you go down the road to Geary's Farm Market or with the Elmira Produce Auction or whether you go to any of the farmer's markets and even some of our grocery stores. Uh, so now I'm challenging Canadians to go to their barbecues or go to their grocery stores, shop Canadian, tell me their stories. Hashtag at Food Day Canada, any images, and it'll show up on, our, on the website. This is going to be real. Come hell or high water, we're going to have Food Day for Canada, and we will be the first nation on earth to do it. That's amazing. I, I, I love it, and, and I'm looking forward to hashtagging and, and oh, contributing again this year. And I'm thinking to me, I ask you the question, what are some definitively Canadian ingredients for you? For me, growing up in eastern Manitoba, pickerel is... Oh, yes. Is, it's so, is it's just, the best. It's, it's, it's so just, good. you know, Lake Winnipeg pickerel, or I grew up on the Winnipeg River, Winnipeg River pickerel that we used to catch. Aren't you and, lucky? And, and, uh, Aren't you lucky? You know, the, you know, Jack Reimer across the street, mm -hmm. and my best friend's dad used to take me out pickerel fishing and introduced me to it, and, and, mm -hmm. and just being able to eat that beef. I lived in Alberta for a while. Yep. There are these, I mean... And farm, you know what? Farm char from Ontario. Both now. our mouths are watering. Yeah, I know. It's exactly it's exactly <laughs> right. So so I think we have this amazing bounty 
in yes. Canada from, from fruits and vegetables yes. to proteins, whether they're animal proteins yes. or lentils and, yes, and, and other and other pulses. And I, I salute you for celebrating it and, and helping us remember and learn these because it's just remarkable. And I think you're right, too, that every country should be doing this. There's just this... Absolutely. This, you know, th- there are these ingredients everywhere. Canada is food, yeah. and the world is richer for it. Thank you, Anita, for your time. Oh, you're I really welcome. enjoyed this. Me too. As we wrap up another episode of Food Focus, I thought I would just take a quick moment to thank Molly Gallant, who really does the heavy lifting in producing this podcast. She does all the hard work. I get to have the interesting discussions. Thank Zachary Von Massow for the original music. Before we go, I'd like to remind you again about our foodfocusguelph.ca website. Check out our blog, updated at least weekly. Check out previous versions of the podcast. Check out our trends report and get in touch with us. Foodfocus at uoguelph.ca. We'd love to have you send us comments, ideas, suggestions, and just to interact and hear what you're thinking about. Finally, If you like the podcast, please take a moment to rate us wherever you get your podcast as this helps other people find us. So, thanks again. Hope you enjoyed it and looking forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye.